in-person events are so far superior to anything we could do virtually because mm -hmm. you get all of those little, you're walking down the hall and you happen to see someone or somebody walks by your booth that you never would have seen, or you have a, you know, an intimate conversation with someone that just has to get something off their chest. And those little interactions, those little conversations, at least in my experience, have never happened in a virtual environment. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going fantastically. See, wow. I put the A in a different spot. You put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> Got to keep it fresh. Exactly. Got to gotta keep everyone on their toes. I. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, how was the FAA conference, the Florida Attractions Association? It was uh, kind of boring and not much happened and I really didn't get to see anybody. I'm very glad to hear that. That is actually opposite of what it was. It was, it was fantastic. Um, this is my first in-person conference since uh, all the lockdowns of 2020. And uh, I have to say it was an amazing feeling to be in the company of so many people that you already know. Um, and it was, I mean, it's always like a family reunion when you go to the FAA conference, if you've been there for a little while. Um, and this year was, was no, no, um, no exception. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me, not only all the, the great networking and the talking to people and the education was just all of the ways that at least for me, that in-person events are so far superior to anything we could do virtually because mm -hmm. you get all of those little, you're walking down the hall and you happen to see someone or somebody walks by your booth that you never would have seen, or you have a, you know, an intimate conversation with someone that just has to get something off their chest. And those little interactions, those little conversations, at least in my experience, have never happened in a virtual environment. And, you know, there's always, there's also something really special about just being in the same physical space as other people. And I know people talk about it, but, you know, it was, it was really great to experience it. And I can't wait for other conferences to come back and to be able to uh, have those in person as well. Yeah, no, I 100% I agree from the amount of virtual events that I, you know, that I've attended over the last year and a half. It is, a suitable alternative when in-person gathering is not available at that time, but is definitely not the replacement. And I think it's it's definitely a positive sign for the events industry in general that people do need to gather and people do need to be in person, uh, which leads me to uh, me, me sharing that I very much regret that I was unable to be there as planned. Uh, it was not expected. It was very much last minute, um, but it was something that I was I was very sad throughout throughout the whole week of not being able to participate in person with everyone. And are you comfortable sharing why you chose not to go? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know, first of all, I'll point out that you know for the last year and a half, I you know my my wife and I we have been incredibly 
cautious. We've, you know, been wearing masks. We've been social distancing. We, you know, just have have not been, uh, not been out uh, out and about, or you know, really uh, seeing people unless you know they were either in our close circle or were quarantining. And you know, th- this was all primarily because we, you know, we had a baby back in December, as you know, as, as many of our audience members know. And, uh, you know, in, in the spring, we got vaccinated as early as we could, and we continued wearing masks and following CDC guidance and, uh, you know, only associating ourselves, only, only spending time with other people who were also vaccinated, who we were able to trust. Um, and as a result, even with that, uh, we encountered breakthrough infections from the Delta variant, uh, you know, after, uh, after our son Jacob got sick at daycare, we had to keep him home. Um, and we got help from some family who who came in, and uh, and all of us, all five of us, ended up testing positive later that week. So uh, we were tested on the Thursday prior to FAA started on Sunday, um, and my test result came back on on Sunday Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon or so. I had tested positive for COVID. So. I very much, uh, you know, was very sad to not be able to be there. Uh, you know, of course, um, I had also had some concerns in general, just because I also have not been attending in-person events. So I was planning on, you know, wearing an N95 mask the entire time and keeping my distance, um, you know, and, and only taking my mask off during, you know, during our presentation or, or the other breakout session that I was expected to do. But uh, obviously, I, I was unable to travel and unable to to be anywhere. And at, at the time of this recording, uh, we're all you know we're all still going through it. We are uh, you know in, in the last I would say final days of our isolation, and you know a few days left. Uh, but it definitely was, uh, like I said, not something that I that I had expected or anticipated. Well, you were greatly missed at the uh, at the conference, that's for sure. And uh, I know you had our session to do. Uh, you had a breakout session with uh, two of our good friends, Ben and Kevin. Um, and by the way, I sat in on that session, and they did flawless. They did. They it was it was like you were not even supposed to be there. They just rolled right through. That was all. I don't good. know if I should feel good about that. Or... <laughs> I'm going to say it was two thirds as good as it. No, I, I know Ben and Kevin. Uh, well, there usually was this, can carry the room in the conversation. So. There was this this blank spot in the middle where just nothing was happening. Uh, no, they, they were able to, to, to recover, but, um, you know, it is unfortunate that you weren't able to be there. I know you really wanted to be there. Um, but I think this is also uh, a good PSA for getting vaccinated. Yeah, I, it, it absolutely is. And when looking at the science, when looking at the data and when looking at what the CDC is saying, the reason for the surge of the Delta variant after, you know, we had a great May, June, July it seemed like the pandemic was over. I, I took a two-day trip to Cedar Point, didn't even bring a mask with me the entire time because that's where we were. And then a few days later after that trip, which was, you know, like third week of July or so, is when things really started ramping up. So I, I just want to point something out of something that I want, I want to read something off the CDC website right here. There is a whole page about the Delta variant and, and everything. And of course, you know, you can read all that yourself. And a lot of this Uh, should be obvious information that a lot of us know. Uh, But what they do say is vaccination is the best way to protect yourself, your family, and your community. High vaccination coverage will reduce spread of the virus and help prevent new variants from emerging. The CDC recommends that everyone aged 12 years and older get vaccinated as soon as possible. Look, this is not a political issue. This is not uh, a Democrat versus Republican, you know, Trump supporters, Biden supporters, completely irrelevant. 
this is a global health crisis. This isn't even an, an American issue exclusively. This is this is a global crisis that we all need to do our parts. And if you are you know watching and listening to this, and getting vaccinated is not a top priority for you, if you don't see the value in it, if you think it's a personal decision, I you know I want you to think about. Don't worry about me. I'm I'm fine. I'm gonna be fine. My wife is fine. Uh, our eight month old Jacob. He's, he's going to be fine. He's, you know, everything's is going to be well, but I just want you to think about him spiking fevers where we've come within a, a few tenths of a degree from having to rush him to the ER. He can't get vaccinated. He has no idea what's going on. We're committing ourselves to protecting him. And I want you to think about that when deciding if this is important for you or not. So I, even if you don't, even if you're not worried about COVID yourself, that's fine, but we all need to do our part to officially end this pandemic, because at the time of this recording, we're, we're not over. You know, we had we had a, a pretty good valley this summer, but now as we're getting into fall, many areas going to get colder again. Uh, if we're not all vaccinated, then we're just going to keep going through this cycle again. Right. Very well said. Very well said. And I have to commend you, of course, for making the decision to take care of yourself and your family uh, during a, a very difficult uh, time to, to make that decision uh, to not come to the conference. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I do appreciate that. Now, uh, kind of pivoting or switching gears here just a little bit. I know you've had a chance since you couldn't be there to listen to the recording of the uh, Attraction Pros podcast that we did there at Florida Attractions Association, which was going to air right after our little piece right now, but I'm wondering if you could share just a couple of your thoughts based on what you heard during that uh, episode. Yeah, it, it was awesome. There, I mean, there is an amazing, I uh, can't even call it an interview, but an amazing, I would say, large panel discussion that, uh, that you're about to hear uh, that it's, so the, the topic is lessons learned from COVID, but I got to tell you that uh, that session was so upbeat. It was so positive. And it was so optimistic, uh, you know. As we now look at this from the the business impact for the attractions industry, uh, Jared from Wild Florida said that COVID was the greatest thing to happen to his business. Now, obviously, we're not talking about the you know the disease itself. We're talking about how it impacted tourism and that they were able to completely shift their focus to the local market, which had never been a priority for them, and that it it ended up being one of the best things ever. Uh, Chrissy from Sawgrass Recreation Park. Awesome place, awesome airboat rides. I, I love that place. Uh, they they had the opportunity to really kind of be still and be able to reflect on how they could completely pivot their business model and also move from tourists to locals. And that ended up creating more of a premium VIP experience. So those are the amazing types of stories that you're about to hear. And it's it's uplifting and it's uh, you know, there's there's a lot of amazing takeaways from it. So I was uh, there asking the questions and I even had to go back and listen to it uh, again to kind of remember all the stuff that happened. But uh, I will echo that. I think that there's a lot of positivity, a lot of um, uh, people feeling like there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And even if they did change their business a bit, they've changed it for the better now, mm -hmm. right? And even if they weren't going to make those decisions before, or maybe they were thinking about them or they kind of wanted to, this gave them the time and the quiet, as Chrissy says, to make those decisions and make the changes. And, you know, you'll hear a couple of people say, we're doing this and we're never going back. So, yeah. you know, for those who are, are thinking about, you know, when do we get back to normal? We don't. And right. that's okay. So, um, Josh, unless you have any other thoughts, I, I'd say let's get to this, uh, this episode. 
I would say, Matt, take it away with Attraction Pros Live at FAA. Well, good morning, FAA family! Welcome! Welcome to the 2021 Florida Attractions Association Annual Conference. Are you glad to be here in person? I also, of course, want to welcome you to a very, very special episode of the Attraction Pros Podcast. Why is this so special? Because every one of you are our guests. As Matt just said, we are going to hear from you. The last question that Bill asked in that last uh, panel discussion was about lessons learned. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn the microphones over to you so you can tell us what lessons you've learned. Now, this is also a little different because I'm normally joined up on stage by my good friend and my co-host, um, Josh Liebman. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it to the conference this year. But like most of you, we pivoted and the show must go on. So again, we are going to hear from you and what you have gone through over the last 18 months. We know that in some cases it's been heartbreaking. We know in some cases it's been frustrating. It's been confusing. But it's also been a period of unprecedented innovation. And many of you have probably found wells of resiliency that you didn't even know you had. So that's what we want to tap into today. We want to inspire the people around you, and not just the people in this room, but the people who are eventually going to listen to this podcast. It's a global attractions audience. So you get to tell them what a great job Florida is doing. So I have a list of questions that will kind of get us started, but you all are going to carry the conversation. I've had a couple of comments where people said, I can't wait to hear what Matt has to say today. Well, I'm done. That's all I had to say. So now it's all about you. So could I have the interns and the folks with microphones kind of hold those up for me? Take a look around the room. You'll see some folks that have microphones. When you have an opportunity to speak, when you feel like you have something to say, you want to answer a question, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand, keep that hand way up so our interns can find you. They will bring that microphone to you so that you can share. What I'm also going to ask is before you share, before you ask a question, before you answer a question, that you state your name and where you're from, which will give us a little context to your answer. So are you ready to share some of your lessons learned? Yes! All right, fantastic. Well, many of you know that I'm kind of a positive guy. So I want to start, why was that funny? I want to start with something positive. I want to start with some silver linings. And I actually want to start with my friend Jared right over here. So let's get Jared a microphone right over here. Last night I got to hear so many great stories and he had a wonderful story about the silver lining that has come to him and his business because of COVID. So Jared, take it away. Pleasure to be here tonight, or this morning. Um, so yes, I'm Jared, I'm the general manager of Wild Florida. Um, and I was talking with Matt a little about this last night, that it's, I, I look out and we feel very fortunate in our situation for what COVID has kind of done for our business. Um, considering all the circumstances that have affected some here, some millions of people around the world, COVID has kind of been the best thing that's ever happened for Wild Florida um, at the time. Uh, when, when we kind of got the mandate that we needed to close down, uh, we had just opened our drive-through safari at, at that time in December, January of 20, well, 2019, 2020. And when that opened, um, you know, we were doing 200 people a day um, at the time. 
you know, because it's new. And then we, you know, we, got, we had to shut down for a month. We had to shut down our whole airboat operation, our walkthrough park, and then we had our safari that was still able to be opened. And we went from 200 people a day to 4,000 people a day. Um, and we didn't have staffing for that. We didn't have the ability for traffic and a lot of other things. But it's, it's humbling to say it's been like the best thing that's ever happened to our business because you know, our, our profits have never been more. I think it was automatic. Um, all the Florida residents, we didn't, one thing we didn't do a very, haven't, hadn't done a very great job at is marketing to the Florida residents. We really did a job with tourists. And now most of the days, even to this day still, I mean, I know a lot of tourism isn't back, but we get more Florida residents coming to our attraction every day than not. And it's been the best thing that's ever happened. We've had to really pivot on um, infrastructure and you know, more animals and you know, different things we would have never imagined and ever had to even think of doing, um, let alone four months or five months after we opened our attraction. Awesome, thank you, Jerry. Let's give him a round of applause for going first and sharing that. Thank you. Who else has a story of a silver lining, something positive? I see a hand back there, a hand back there. Let's get those microphones over there. Let's go. Is that Mary back there? Excellent. Let's get Mary a microphone. <laughs> They're fighting for it. Okay. Go for it. Good morning. My name is Mary Stella. I'm with Dolphin Research Center. We're a nonprofit marine mammal education and research facility in the fabulous Florida Keys. And one thing we learned uh, just a couple days before closing is that even though people could not come to connect with the dolphins, we could still bring them the dolphins to them. Um, and we did that with Facebook Live. We started doing daily live broadcasts with the crew that were, remained on grounds to take care of the animals. We are a nonprofit. It enabled us to put a Donate Now button on our Facebook Lives. And people were home looking for things to do with their kids while they quarantined at home. Um, in the space of uh, you know a couple of months, we gained excess of 20,000 new followers to our Facebook page. We were raising on average 500 or more dollars a day, which our hosts, which were trainers, animal trainers, our hosts talking about dolphins, talking about different things, would say that's what it costs us just to purchase the fish to feed the dolphins. Um, we could do challenge grants, but importantly, we always want to build relationships. We want people to form relationships with us to get to know our philosophies and our practices, and we could do it through that. We could create membership uh, programs. We continue to do daily live broadcasts even after we opened. We kept it up for a year, um, and these people have either become members, they become friends. They thank us for connecting them with the dolphins. We have drawn new people to the Keys and to us that had never heard of us. Uh, it made our page trend where we'd put news up and I would get media inquiries from overseas and I'd say, well, how did you hear from us? It's because your page trended. So that has really been a, a silver lining for us in terms of, first of all, economically, that we were able to sustain ourselves when we had no visitors coming in. Um, that and the PPP, which was also a huge silver lining. So um, our distance learning responses are up. Um, I encourage, it, and it's not, it's not hard to do. You know, we do it with a phone and, and our people. 
Um, you know, those of us, we cut it down to four times a week, but we have, you know, I host, research hosts, animal care and training, and we're still building and maintaining those relationships with people. And that is just terrific in terms of, um, of what we do and, and our mission for educating and researching people. So that has been a real silver lining on top of the economic boost that it provided. Awesome, thank you, Mary. Let's give Mary a round of applause. What I think is fantastic about that is she said, we did it with a phone and our people. We have the technology, right? Isn't that from like um, Six Million Dollar Man? Right? We have the technology, right? So we've got it. It's in the palm of our hand, and she took advantage of it. Thank you for that. I think we have somebody back here. Yes, go for it. Hi, I'm Kara Law Firm with Naples Botanical Garden, and we also pivoted, like Mary, a lot of online content. People really embraced it. And we also um, adopted a mantra um, to be a force for good. And how we really brought that to the community was in a couple of ways. We received a grant to start a community appreciation program. We opened, um, once the garden reopened in July last year, we extended free general admission to all frontline workers, people in the hospitality industry, um, and their families and their dogs on certain days to come to the garden, enjoy the respite and relaxation that being outdoors can provide. And uh, that continues today. We just uh, received word it'll continue on for another year. So we've had 20,000 people come through. Um, with our community appreciation program. It's really been a wonderful way to introduce people to the garden that might not be able to uh, visit us because of cost barriers. And at the same time, our membership base grew to a record high of 14,000 member households. So it was, um, you know, those two things could exist at the same time. Um, also, we reached out to some partners in our community. We live in a... Um, very unique area in Naples. We have uh, one of the wealthiest zip codes in the country, just you know, five miles from the garden. However, we have two Title I schools right near our property, so we've um, partnered with local food banks. We have mobile food pantries at the garden in our parking lot once a month, and we're seeing our, our neighbors coming through. It's uh, been you know really great to. Um, truly give back to the community that helped bring us um, into existence years ago. So that's kind of our silver lining and um, looking forward to more ahead. Excellent, very good. I love being a force for good. That is that's so awesome, us. that is so awesome. We have a, somebody right here that wants to share. We have a couple up here, over here. So our interns are getting their steps in. Morning, everyone. Uh, Rob Lamke, uh, Chief Operating Officer at MOSI, which is the Museum of Science and Industry in Tampa. Um, you know, the thing that I, I think we learned the most in in COVID and planning and everything else um, was that change and execution are not bad things. Um, the museum space, not-for-profit, in, in my opinion, tends to be, um, it, it likes to be perpetually comfortable. Um, you know, we've done it this way for so long. Uh, this works for us. Um, you know, what, don't, don't rock the boat. And COVID was a catalyst for change. And it 
forced us in a lot of our strategic plan initiatives that had been lingering around for years. They'd been, yeah, we should do digital content, that would be cool. Or, you know what, we should expand our programming to include not only uh, homeschool here, but homeschool at home. And so it, it forced us to take all of this content that had just been tabled because it was work, um, to really then push it forward. And what we saw was a new level of engagement, um, not only with the community, but with the, the partner school districts that we had uh, in the area. And there in you know, Hillsborough County is the eighth largest, seventh or eighth largest school district in the United States. Um, so we saw all of this engagement start to happen that quite frankly, without COVID, never would have happened. Now, it's hard to say, you know, COVID, um, and, and I, I would never say that, but through difficult circumstances that COVID gave us came an immense amount of opportunity. And I think that one of the greatest lessons in, in my role that I took from everything that happened um, was the sheer value and talent of our staff. Um, the passion, the commitment, um, the ability to change. Um, it was very uncomfortable for many of them, but they acknowledged that in order for the venue to survive, for the programming to survive, and for us to continue to be a mission-driven organization, there had to be change. And, you know, what we're experiencing right now at Mosey is absolutely exceptional. We've had uh, record attendance ever since April for every month. Our summer camps, our summer science camps were completely sold out at, um, at new quantities. So we've had more people engaged. We've had events with Science After Dark engaging an adult community, which was a horribly ignored demographic for us um, over the past four or five years. So, um, you know, our lessons learned were, you know, like I said, change is not bad. Execution can happen. And, you know, the most less, I think the most valuable lesson we learned was the uh, introspective look at the value and the commitment of our staff. So, um, looking forward to a, a, some more conversations about this, but thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much. Give him a round of applause. Very good. We're going to get him first and then over to you. Okay. So, John from um, Fun Spot is next. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Um, who are you? Where are you from? I'm John Chittister. I'm with Fun Spot America. Um, March 23rd was a really, really tough day for everybody in our organization because, uh, like everyone else in the room here, we had to close down. And that was difficult. Um, but we were very blessed through our owner and management. Uh, no one in the organization uh, was furloughed. Uh, long before the loans came in and all of that, it was a decision that uh, we were going to keep everybody on, on staff. And whether they worked from home, stayed at home, or worked at the facilities. So everybody was repositioned, had new roles. Uh, did a lot of painting, did a lot of landscaping, did a lot of things to make sure that when the time was right, we were ready to reopen. And uh, thank heavens we were because we also used the time to jump ahead of what we saw as a crush on uh, employment. 
And so in the Orlando market, we jumped out with uh, a lot of uh, outdoor billboards saying that we're recruiting, we're looking for people. And so we were able to replenish our, our ranks, if you will, uh, during that time as well. So it was, it was uh, very fortuitous to kind of look ahead and see what might be the challenges and, and a few things got it right. Um, but then with that, May was kind of slow. We opened May 23rd, exactly two months afterwards. And then June came in and things started to look good. July came around and this is going great. Ever since, it's just been records. Ever, every month, and we continue to go that way. And we had an opportunity, the, I guess the way I put it is, uh, while we're a, a force for fun, um, which is good, um, we allowed ourselves to be reintroduced to people again for the first time. So many things had taken place in the years leading up to COVID with the expansion of the parks, new attractions, roller coasters, things of that nature that our local residents really hadn't taken advantage of. And it was pretty clear to see that without the international travelers, tourism of any nature to speak of, that uh, Floridians truly came out and supported one another. And we're blessed for that. And uh, so we're, we're very, very pleased, very, very proud uh, to be a part of that. Uh, and it's also, in a strange way, COVID brought us an opportunity that otherwise might not have ever come to us. And that was uh, a small company in Utah, Rocky Mountain Construction, builds world-class coasters. There's an opening on the calendar. Everybody's pulling away. Because of the results of COVID, it's allowed us to move in and move right up to the front of the calendar. So for us, that was a great opportunity. The cost of entry, much lower. And so we get to move forward with that. And so we'll do that in our park in Fayetteville, Georgia. So COVID's been uh, challenging. It causes us to make new procedures, new protocols, safety, and things of that nature. Uh, now is the time when we're starting to go back to the summer camps, the school visits, things of that nature. All the corporate business is gone. You know, that just wasn't around, hasn't been around. We're just starting to see that come back. And so we challenge ourselves to come up with new ways and do new things uh, to bring people back, whether it's uh, Night of Gold, which is a faith-based organization where we kind of uh, encourage people to come through and visit our park. But uh, we're going to look for new ways to do that and bring guests. So build new attractions because of it and uh, find the silver lining. And in October, we've got a fun thing coming through. Come visit us for the wiener dog races. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'll be there, John. You'll awesome. Be there. Thank you very much, John. Appreciate it. Give him a round of applause. Thank you, John. You're next. Go ahead. Hello, my name is Sarah Turner, and I'm the senior director of Awesome at the IMAG in Fort Myers, Florida. And so I'm going to talk about just kind of three things that kind of takeaways from COVID. But one of the things that shifted in our organization in the past year was kind of our, our look at our mission and what we wanted to achieve. And the mantra has been, how can I inspire you? And so everything that we do has to do with inspiration. And like everyone else, when all this happened, we basically decided to close on a Friday. And then that Monday was supposed to be spring break camp. It wasn't happening. 
And so there was an entire shift in everything we did. And I can remember like running out to Walmart with all the crazy crowds trying to stock up. I'm there trying to buy green fabric to make a green screen instead of what everybody else was buying. Um, and I got there before all the sewers got there to buy all the fabric to make all the masks, but bought an entire bolt of neon green fabric. And that Monday we were setting up green screens in different corners of the museum, figuring out where our Wi-Fi worked, where it didn't work, what we could set up, whose phone we could use, what tablet we could use, and shifting to virtual programming. And as many of you also did the same thing, I'm sure you also went through, this is horrible, <laughs> this is great, um, this is working, this is not working. And one of the things that we started offering, which goes along with that, how can I inspire you or how can I help you, was I saw that kids didn't understand what was happening. Just all of a sudden, they couldn't see anyone, they couldn't go to school, they couldn't see their friends. And this strange thing that kind of started popping up was their birthdays. And so all of a sudden, not understanding why it wasn't being celebrated, they couldn't go anywhere. And so we decided to offer free virtual birthday parties. And it seems like a small thing. Um, for us doing in-person birthday parties, we do maybe two or three a month. This took off. We did more than 40 virtual birthday parties in less than two months. And it wasn't just from Florida. It was all over the country. It was as far as Washington, Tennessee, Maryland. And a lot of it was spreading via word of mouth from people who were hearing about it online, social media, things we were doing. And it was just this really cool opportunity. And being able to connect with people all over the country that may have never connected, connected with the IMAG otherwise. And it wasn't just kids. We did adult parties too. Um, happy hours, things like that. And, um, but so again, that kind of shifting how you think about what kind of programming you can offer. Um, same thing with the food banks. We started having food drives that were happening at the IMAG. And I mean, it was kind of just heartbreaking, the lines that were forming so early in the morning, wrapping out. We had like six lines of cars coming in for these food banks. But so again, trying to find out how it could be particular to our organization, we started offering free science kits as well. And providing those to families that were coming through the line for the kids that were in the cars with the families and everything else. Um, and then the other like interesting thing that was happening was right before the pandemic, we started a partnership with one of our local news stations to start doing a weekly science segment. And that was supposed to be in their studio. I did, I think, two and <laughs> the pandemic hit. And it was like, oh, this is never going to happen again. But again, with that, that news station, they had to shift how they were doing things too. And so they had a news team that stayed in-house and a news team that stayed out of the station. And if they were out in the community, they were literally not allowed to come into the studio trying to keep everyone isolated. And so that has continued. They've continued to come out and film with us. It's something, it's an outreach. It actually expanded their programming. It's ABC7 More Explorers. And it's kind of changed how they're doing things and where they're going, but it, they've kept us on and kept us as that connection. And so they actually come out to us and film with us each week um, and has continued to do that as well. And so, again, I think a lot of it is how do you shift, how do you change, but still keep with your mission. And with us, it's how can we inspire you. And I think that's been a huge part of it. And with our staff, too, is watching everybody, their roles change immediately. Like business manager is suddenly the editor for all of our videos. Um, our sales and membership director is now the videographer. Um, and taking reservations for virtual birthday parties and setting up that communication. Um, we have pictures of us in like weird corners of the museum filming things that 
that like looks so professional and we're like in a closet because that's where we can find the best Wi-Fi signal and be able to be in there. Um, and so I think you know some of that inspiration also is within ourselves and seeing what we were able to do together um, through some really weird times and then come out on the other side and it's the same thing everyone else is seeing. We're seeing everybody wants to be back out. They want that human connection. They're wanting to come out. So we are seeing those record-breaking attendance days. July was the biggest month we've ever had. Our camps, it was record-breaking camps, the largest camps we've ever had. Even though it was only seven weeks, larger numbers, more classes. And so there is this just like crazy shift where I feel like people miss that connection. And so they see our organizations and that opportunity to come out and connect again. And so I think we're all in a very lucky position as well with that. So that's my take. Well, thank you very much. Give a round of applause, absolutely. Is anybody else, I see a hand right back here. Keep that hand up, keep that hand up. We will find you and get you a microphone. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. A microphone is on its way. Hi, Mr. Matt. I am Christina Schwartzman. I'm the CEO at Sawgrass Recreation Park. Um, and we had a few victories too, and I love this session. This is so wholesome and positive. This is just <laughs> what all of us need, right? Um, I love it. This is my jam. So we had a few victories. Um, we were so fortunate. Um, just like everybody else coming out of shutdown and sad and tiny family business, what are we going to do? Um, and I remember we were just throwing the kitchen sink at sales and marketing when we finally reopened. And I remember telling my husband, I have never worked so hard to go such a little distance in my whole life. Every one family of four people, I was just greeting him at the door and I was so excited they were there. We had days with 35 customers. It was heartbreaking. But we created all these new products, we threw them on the shelf, and in the process, um, after a few months, it started to work. And then the VIP experiences, the one family at a time, it, it happened. And then people liked it, they started picking up on it. So we actually looked at our whole business model, and I don't know about you guys, but we started about 17 years ago, and the best gift of COVID was the quiet. So we were so excited to stop. We never stopped, right? 40 to 60 hours a week, nights, you know, insurance, taxes, hurricanes, staffing, whatever, we never stopped. So we actually completely stopped. Everyone got really quiet for a while and we really thought about what does the future of our business look like? We have 19 more years on our lease. What does this next two decades look like for us? So we were in a model of um, volume. We had lots of buses, tons of people coming in the door. We had days with 1,400 people. I don't know if you've been to my park, but 1,400 people in my facility is a lot of people. Um, and so we really kind of sat back and said, I don't know, is that really what we want anymore? Do we want volume or do we want this one family at a time? And they're having a great time and they're coming out and it's a very special experience. Maybe that's not us anymore. So we talked to some clients, we made some shifting, we made some transitions, and we're coming out of 2020, or coming out of, you know, into this year, um, and we're outpacing 2019, maybe 25% in terms of revenue, but less heads. And it's a gift. We're really excited. We have less heads coming in the door, less wear and tear on the facility. My staff, it's quieter operationally, it's smoother. No one's getting overrun. We don't have crazy lines. There's not people everywhere. We're out in nature. It's quiet, it's outdoors. So it's fitting better with what we want for our attraction. And it's also fitting better in terms of revenue. So we can afford more capital improvements and get to our projects. We're gonna accelerate some of those projects. So that was kind of a great gift because we just continued on that path because we were already on it. 
and we were just doing what we had always done for 17 years and just the next month and the next month. And we never really stopped to think about, well, it doesn't have to look like this. Maybe it can look different. And it did look different, and it's looking much better different. And um, so that brings me to my staff. My team is everything. My team is family. And I don't think I've ever had quite so many heart-to-hearts with them. So before COVID, I was out from the facility for a while and I really lost touch with our people and I was so grateful that just a few months before COVID hit, I came back in on an operational front as well and I was so happy for that time with my staff. After we reopened, I was on the front lines every day with my people. I learned so much about them. I know what their favorite TV shows are. I know what their mom's name is. I know that their sister was sick last week. And what a gift. Our people are just our world. And I loved that time with them. And now I know how each one of them tick. And I know how to help them and encourage them and motivate them. And I feel like before there was too much noise and I couldn't see them, each one of them. So now I see them and we talk and we ask questions and we hug and cry. It's perfect. And from an HR standpoint, it's an absolute gift because I love, love, love our people. And then another one we didn't expect, and I know Jen Berthume will join me in this one, is a lot of our clients have a really difficult time getting materials. So a lot of our bigger vendors that we purchase from, it's very, very slow on return. There's three months wait time, five months wait time on orders like shot glasses and things like that. And we didn't expect that crazy halt in the gift shop side of things. But when we're busy and we're selling out and things are going well, we need stuff on the shelves and our regular vendors just can't get it. So we went to some smaller websites and we went kind of like, um, if anyone knows Etsy, uh, we found some new websites. You can talk to me about it later. Um, And these companies are small business owners. Everyone during the pandemic, right? We're pivoting. We're printing stickers in our garage and we're making stuffed animals in the back room and whatever. And we found all these little tiny businesses that could fill order in a matter of days. And you could place a $100 order, $300 order, very small little orders. And these are all companies here in the United States, here in Florida, in North Carolina, in Ohio. And these people make the most beautiful stuff. And it's awesome. And it's handmade, one little thing at a time. And we fill our shop with it and it did beautifully and we were so excited and what a great time to support like I think we order from I don't know it's almost like 200 people now but we order from lots of these little individual businesses and it felt so good like these people they write handwritten thank you notes for our ordering from their product we've placed seven eight nine ten reorders and these are like women working out of their garage and like guys that are cutting wood out back and I love it and what a cool transition and our customers are coming in our shop and it's not the regular stuff it's different. They haven't seen it. They don't know what these brands are. They've never seen this tag. They've never read about this. It's save the turtle bracelets and it's so wholesome and I love it. And that was really unexpected for us. We didn't know that was going to be a transition, but we're never going to go back. So we're very excited. We'll still have our regular guys. We love, love to our regular people, um, but we're making a little room there for all the little guys too. Awesome. Thank you, Chrissy. Give her a round of applause. I love the message there about slowing down, right? Sometimes we don't have enough quiet in our worlds and a little quiet, a little slowing down can definitely help. Does anybody else have a um, uh, kind of a success story or a uh, silver lining? Right here we've got one. Your uh, microphone is on its way to you. Morning everybody, I'm Julia Barros, Director of Marketing at Gatorland, theme park in Orlando. Um, One of the great things that we did this year, obviously, you know, Gatorland has a great educational component. Kids come out on field trips all the time to the park. And when the park shut down on March 17th, then no more kids. All the kids are at home trying to figure out how to learn online. So we brought the education to them through our social media. Uh, We created 
school of croc. Um, so every day we would do 15 minute segments for the kids that were really fun, you know, because for theme parks, that's what they're all about. They're about fun, um, you know, and we're also educational. So we created these fun educational snippets of information for the kids to learn all about the animals inside the park. Um, and so that was one of the great things that we did. Uh, our engagement uh, in turn was through the roof on our social media. Kids loved it. We had kids sending in, you know, their their creative um, photograph pictures that they did, their art projects, um, photographs of what the of their chalk drawings on their driveways. It was just the su super cool. It was so fun for for us to be able to engage with them in that way. Um, and also schools reach out to us too in order to be able to use our videos for their um, educational purposes too. Um, so we had that going on. And then also, uh, Gatorland created, uh, in order to demonstrate the social distancing aspect and our safety procedures, we created our own social distancing skunk ape. And uh, our skunk ape is lucky enough to have arms that are, uh, hands that are six feet apart from end to end. Um, so he, he served the purpose really, really well. There's an awesome video on our website. Please go ahead, check out our website, gatorland.com. You can see our social distancing skunk ape. But he was also voted best new attraction for 2020 by Orlando Weekly. So go Orlando <laughs> Weekly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, these are all great things that we were able to do um, through the pandemic to keep our audiences engaged, to bring Gatorland, uh, you know, outside the walls of our actual park it, into their homes um, so that people could enjoy, you know, all the, all the great things that we offer there. And also, just a word, um, you know, for our, for our management, Mark McHugh, he kept every single employee through the pandemic um, and paid us full pay. Um, um, for, for the most part, all the way through. So we're, we were very, very appreciative um, to our management for, for keeping everybody on and, and keeping everybody through, through the pandemic. So just great things from our company. Uh, we really appreciate them. Um, all, the, all the social media that we, we created through, through all the engagement, you know, created fans that eventually wanted to come back to the park. Um, and 2020 has turned out to be a really uh, amazing, 2021, sorry, has turned out to be a really amazing year for us, record-breaking in all aspects, uh, revenue, attendance, um, and until to date. So we're, we're doing really, really well. So that's, that's all I have to share. <laughs> awesome, thank you very much. Give a round of applause. We need a microphone right over here. And just the other day, um, a friend of mine from California mentioned that Skunk Ape video. So too fun, too fun. Right over here. Are we on? Yep. My name's Dean Mixon. I'm owner with my wife Janet, Mixon Fruit Farms. We're relatively new in the, the attraction side of it. Our business, we're celebrating our 83rd season this year, the family, family business. So uh, I agree with like, uh, what Christy said. We had to reimagine ourselves being in the citrus business for years. Uh, if everybody knows what's happened in the citrus industry in, in Florida, uh, we've had to reimagine ourselves uh, over and over again in the last few years and, and branch out into different things. Uh, but um, one of the advantages we saw was uh, 
being in the citrus business, vitamin C, our, our, uh, our shipping increased by about 200% in those last those months. Uh, we were at, right at the end of our shipping season anyway when, when it hit. And uh, we, we extended it almost a month farther than what we normally would. And uh, we were able to fill a lot of orders all over the country for people wanting citrus. But uh, another thing that we do, a little advertisement here, uh, we have the map, the UVinit map, something I developed in, out, of, out of necessity probably in, in our business. And it uh, uh, gave me a little bit more time to work on that. And I received my patent finally on, on it. So uh, we were, uh, we're glad, to, glad to get that going. But again, what Chrissy said was, we we have a lot of older employees that maybe have a, a, a spouse at home that's not in good health. So we lost a lot of employees just due to that. And uh, the ones that were that did get to stay with us, uh, we we gained a, a great appreciation for them. And and I, one of the questions I want to how do you, how do you I really appreciate those people that, that stayed with you when you got other employees are sitting home getting $600 a week for uh, for that. And how do you, how can you really tell them what, uh, how much you do appreciate them for staying with you? And uh, so that that was very important to us. But uh, uh, I'd say it opened a lot of different opportunities for us. So we saw our our uh, summertime this year, uh, all of our tours and and things that. Weddings. We have a wedding facility also, and uh, we saw we we lost all of our weddings in in that year. We came up with a, a package called the called the elopement package, which allowed them to have 10 or 15 people there, a small group. And normally the weddings are 100, 150 people, and uh, right now we have over 100 weddings waiting uh, out. And we saw our the the, the bookings. Probably triple during that time when when COVID when they couldn't do anything they were out wanting to do something but the the bookings in, increased so now we've got three or four weddings every weekend coming up starting after after we get home so you know it it, it there was a blessing it came out of it and we're very appreciative uh, for, for the people that stayed with us and for our customers that stayed with us we saw a lot of local people coming out that we hadn't seen being there 83 years, uh, you'd think that they, we got more and more people come up and say, I never knew you were here. You know, so that was one of the advantages we, we saw. Uh, we, got, we were able to reach our local people. Excellent. Thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. Give them a round of applause. I'd like to pivot, because we're good at that, right? Do you have something else, Lisa? Yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's get to Lisa, and then we'll pivot, because we're good at pivoting. Hi everyone, my name is Lisa and I represent the Fort Myers uh, River District Alliance. So welcome again. Um, earlier we heard uh, Katie say the word nimble and then Matt, you used the word pivot and you just used it again. And Christy, you talked about how you haven't worked harder. Well, um, in March of 2020, Right before St. Patrick's Day, um, my River District Alliance board had to make a decision as to whether we wanted to take that celebration where we closed the streets and for hours five Irish bands and dancers um, uh, just fill the street, streets with just fun um, and cancel. And that is the biggest day for all of our downtown businesses and shops. So in doing that, um, my daughter, who was here last night, said, um, 
you can't cancel St. Patrick's Day. That's a national holiday. And um, she soon found out that that was not. <laughs> but, but anyway, it was like a national holiday in downtown Fort Myers. Um, I, and I had heard shortly after we had canceled that the first things that closed would be the last things that were going to open. And I thought the next thing that was coming up was July 4th. And I really did not think that we were going to be able to gather for a large July 4th celebration that year. And I was watching TV and I saw in Italy they had planes and the planes did green and red and white in the sky and I said, that's what we're gonna do. So I called our local airport and I asked them, what, um, how can I get someone to do that? And they gave me the name of a company in Alabama. And I called them and they did aerobatics and air shows and all sorts sorts of things. And I said, I want red, white, and blue all over uh, Fort Myers. And they said, well, that's a great idea, but no one in America does that because when it falls to the ground, it stains everything red, white, and blue. So, <laughs> so just for your information, that is not a good idea. Um, so they said, what we can do is we can do somewhat of an aerobatic show with our World War II planes. And as you know, Fort Myers is a very historical town. So um, I said, great. And um, I booked them. And I, I went to the airport with the mayor and we met them and crowds just gathered. And, he, and, and I started a campaign called Look Up Fort Myers because everyone at that time was so, we were just all in such a state and I just said you could stand in place and look up. And it was a huge success. Everybody was watching the news at that time and I spent all the money that I was going to spend on, on events, on advertising and, um, or not on it, no that was, that. Um, well, so we had this huge um, campaign going on about buy locals, buy locals, and an all-American, and I featured 26 businesses, so this was going on at the same time. And as a result, I got over $200,000 worth of free advertising. I was on the cover because there wasn't a lot of things going on, and the best part of all of this thinking differently, nibbling, pivoting, working really hard was not one business went out of town, uh, out of business during that time and that was before PTP. So I just wanted to share that story and I hope you enjoy our quaint little town. Thank you. Awesome. One more round of applause for Lisa. Excellent. So we do want to pivot a little bit and ask another question, and I'd love to hear from, from people who have implemented something that maybe you did out of necessity or you just thought, hey, this is, this is the right time to do it, but you didn't necessarily think it was going to be permanent, but it worked out so well, it is a permanent change, something that you're going to keep that you started doing. And you, we heard some examples of that in some of these earlier responses. So who's got an example of something that they've started to do? Looks like Scott Rose back here needs a microphone. Let's get him one. Um, so so Scott Rose needs one. Just think of those things that you started to do that you're sticking with now that, uh, now that we're moving forward. Scott, take it away. Thanks, Matt. Uh, good morning. I'm Scott Rose with Zoo Tampa at Lowry Park. And I want to tell you about a, a lesson 
that we learned that's changed the way that we manage our consumer events uh, at the zoo. So shortly after we reopened last, uh, end of last May, early uh, part of June, we realized that we had to make a decision if we were going to do our large-scale consumer events. Uh, in other words, our Halloween event called Creatures of the Night, our Christmas event, uh, Christmas in the Wild, and if we were going to do them, how we were going to do them safely. So we, um, uh, the, these are large-scale consumer events. It's not uncommon for us to get six, seven, eight thousand people uh, that all come at once. Uh, at the start of the event, parking is a challenge. Getting them into the uh, into the zoo is a challenge, and it's a you know a volume event like that in the time of COVID is not a real smart thing to do. So we decided that it was important to do it. So we had to decide how we were going to do it safely. And what we decided to do uh, is to put in uh, time ticketing, reservation-based time ticketing, uh, which isn't new. A lot of you did the, exactly the same thing. Uh, it controls the amount of tickets that you have and the, you know, the flow of the guests in, into, the, into the event. Uh, our events are largely member-attended events. About 75% are members, and they get in for free. And it's a reason a lot of them buy their memberships. It's a, you know, we leverage them to sell memberships, and we wanted to keep it free. But what our concern was, was that we were going to have all of our members book up all of the reservations. There's no commitment, so we're going to see a lot of no-shows. And, you know, members would book two or three nights and decide which one we want to go to. So what we did is, is we implemented a... Uh, reservation fee, $5 per person. So if you had a family of four, you'd pay $20 in a membership, or a reservation fee. So you might think, well, you're just charging them to come to the event. But it wasn't that way because we would give them back the reservation fee when they came to the uh, event that night in the form of script, uh, zoo bucks, for food and merchandise. And so really there was no net out of pocket for them. Uh, the good thing is, is that uh, we had pre-committed everybody coming to the event to spend $5 in food and merchandise. Uh, and, but what we also saw is a lot of people decided to plan to dine with us when they were at the event. So, you know, if you've got $20, figure, well, let's, let's dine there instead of stopping at McDonald's all the way down or eating before they came or picnic in our parking lot. And so they chose to dine with us. Well, as you can imagine, $5 per person doesn't get you very far when you're buying a meal. So that $5 turned into $10, $15. And we just saw our in-park spending go through the roof. I mean, it was, you know, two, three-fold what it normally would have been. And so that managed reservation system controlling the, uh, the membership reservations generated tremendous amount of revenue, offset the, um, uh, the, the decrease in attendance due to limited capacity. Uh, we also got the breakage if people didn't show up. Um, then we, you know, it wasn't a refundable reservation fee, uh, and they were in $5 certificates, so if somebody bought $4 in, you know, a, a water or something like that, we kept the extra dollar, no change given. So it worked really, really well. Uh, the guest um, satisfaction was, was increased, much, much better event. People loved the fact that we had a lot of dining opportunities for them in the park. So that model now is the model for the future. We're doing it this year with both events and other consumer events, 
And post-COVID, we're going to continue to do it this way because it just made a lot of sense. So just wanted to share that with you. Excellent. Give him a round of applause. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Who else has something that is, uh, that they've, they made a change and now it's permanent? Yes, right over here. We've got a gentleman over here. And uh, this can also come from our vendor uh, partners. Go for it. So my... Um who are you? Where you're from? Oh, sorry. Uh, Barry Bass, and uh, I'm with uh, Means to Avend. We're the uh, Mini Melts distributor, and uh, well as a, a new product that we launched uh, during COVID. That was my I have way too much time on my hands COVID project, <laughs> and uh, noticed uh, a lot of people were telling me that they were doing drive-by parties and bar mitzvahs and weddings because nobody can get out of their car. So I thought, well, how can I? Um, tap into that, so we came up with the idea of putting popcorn into containers and personalizing those containers with special messages so that people can basically use them as a party favor as they're driving by, they can give them popcorn. So that's how it kind of started, oh sorry, and uh, that soon became uh, a whole nother thing which evolved into what's now called promo pop and we developed an entire line of uh, popcorn products, which I'd love you to come by and try, of course, which are here. <laughs> this is actually our first day of launching this company officially. And uh, we can pretty much personalize anything you want in terms of promotions and branding and everything else on the containers. And, uh, it's been, and we've been getting a really, really great response. So looking forward to seeing how this uh, takes off. And so, you know, we had a really bad situation where our sales were tanking and I said to myself, I know we're all going to come out of this at the end and I want to come out stronger than ever and I feel like we are and now I have another company, another division to uh, explore and to develop. So, Excellent. Give a round of applause. Thank you, Barry. Appreciate that. Who else has another change? Something that they've now implemented. Did I see a hand somewhere? Right oh, yes. Right up here. Okay. Perfect. There we go. Hello, I'm Janet Mixon from Mixon Fruit Farms, and like Dean was saying, we kind of look to do whatever we can to survive, but we, uh, in January, were approached by a Canadian company that made brogies, and uh, it's a no preservatives, gluten-free, All it's a really good product, but they were having, they ship all over the United States, but they were having a problem getting stuff into the United States. So they needed an American distributor and wondered if we would be willing to work with them. And of course, we're willing to do anything. So uh, we, they brought us three uh, machines and all the things we needed and we started popping we uh, ship out about you know 100 150 cases every week all over the the country so uh, that was a new thing for us the it they pop every eight seconds and when you got three machines it's like boom 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 and so it really draws our customers kids will stand there and watch it forever and um, so it, it was a new product and it was because Canada was having a problem. So we benefited from that and we have loved having that product and we do have samples here, so. <laughs> Excellent, Ex yes, round of applause. Very good, very good. Did I see another hand? Somebody that has something that you created that you're doing now differently? 
or maybe I didn't. That's okay, that's okay. So in this time, obviously we're not just slowing down and making things better for us and our team and our business, but we're actually innovating, which is really, really fantastic. So I've also got a question about you personally. We've heard about your businesses. We've heard about things that you've done for your staff. How have you grown, or how have you changed, or how have you developed through this? What's a lesson that you may have learned about yourself? I see a hand way, way in the back. We need to get a microphone way back there. We, need, we got a microphone right up here. So we'll start right up here because the microphone's closer to you, and then we'll get back to the young lady in red. Go for it. Hello, everyone. I'm Amy Johnson. I'm with the Florida Aquarium in uh, downtown Tampa. And I would say the biggest lesson I've learned personally here is I've always loved collaboration, but I've really amped it up during COVID. And the Florida Aquarium was one of the first attractions. Um, of, I think we were actually the first aquarium nationally to reopen. So it was one of those things where a lot of people started coming to us and asking us, what, what did we do? How did we prepare? Um, how are we keeping everyone safe? How are we working with our employees? And then, um, for us also, it was me asking them questions about, because we're not a huge attraction, but there are a lot bigger aquariums out there. We're asking them about how they're working their events, how they're working their groups, um, how are they keeping morale up, things like that. So how are they managing guest flow? So it was a lot of going back and forth and truly appreciating the value of people and professionals in this industry, um, people who've been doing it for over 30 years, and then also getting younger folks involved and saying, all right, tell me about this technology and how, how can we incorporate it and make our nonprofit attraction even more attractive to guests. So I really did appreciate the collaboration and all of us kind of working together to, to make it work for everyone, for our employees and our guests. Awesome. Thank you. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you for sharing that. Way, way in the back. My name is Kelly Shearer from Moonlight Promos. Um, mine's a little sadder, but has a great ending. My doctor of 20 years died from COVID, and it made me stop and think. I was married for 18 years. My husband and I get along, but we shouldn't be married. So I sat there and thought, I'm turning 50 in December. Is this what I want for the rest of my life? Because he doesn't want a life. He just wants to sit on a couch. So July 15th of last year, I threw all my stuff in a car from New Jersey and drove to Florida. Pick Florida, the president of my company lives here. I said, oh, and I restarted my life. I'm happier than I've ever been. And it's because COVID made me wake up and look at things for what they really were. And it brought something to me. Like when these people were dying around me, I thought, oh my God, is this what I want out of life? No. So, you know, he's happy in New Jersey. He's happier. I'm happier. And it's all because of COVID. Thank you for sharing that. Round of applause. Do we have we have a hand up right over here? Right over here, yes. 
Good morning, everyone. My name is Robin Rosario, and I'm blessed to work with a company called Pure Florida. My coworker Mary Kaufman's uh, here with me also. Uh, my story's a, a little different, too, but bear with me for a second, please. Our youngest son um, has had four brain surgeries. He suffers from a rare form of epilepsy known as Lennox-Gaston. So I feel as a parent, if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything, right? So four weeks ago, I was diagnosed with COVID, was hospitalized. The double pneumonia, blood clots in the lungs, the whole nine yards, D variant is a butt kicker, I can tell you. Personally, still struggling with breathing a little bit. However, the positive note to all of this is you really realize how blessed you are. My job is amazing. I don't have co-workers, I have co-family. Um, stepped up, took over everything that as a mom, right, with a disabled child, you, you handle everything, you do everything, we do everything, right? My 22-year-old daughter stepped up, my husband of 30 years who I thought never could handle any of what I do, took care of everything, because once I went into the hospital, 24 hours I didn't get to speak to my family. My son's on very serious medications, but I had educated my daughter to where my son's medications were. She stepped up, she took it over. Like I said, my husband of 30 years that I didn't think, <laughs> see, I'm, I'm blessed, I'm married to a perfect man. Um, he, <laughs> he, uh, he, yeah. <laughs> they exist! But I'm bum. But yeah, my husband and my family and my work family really stepped up and took care of everything like I never thought that they could. So for me, um, yeah, COVID really, really stunk. Uh, it, it, it really brought me down, but it humbled me in a way to know that I don't have to do everything. I don't have to cover everything. I, you know, there are other people that are more than capable of doing what, what I can do. And yes, I still am awesome, wonderful, and amazing. You know, that's, you know, that's, a, that's a given. But um, that how much I love and I cherish what I have. So please, my takeaway, make sure that those that you do love, that you tell them that you love them, um, your co-workers that have stuck by you, I heard so many of you say how awesome your, your, your co-workers and your employees and your staff are. Let them know that. Just, just say thank you a little bit more and uh, it has humbled me and made me a lot more appreciative, that's for sure. Does anybody else have a story? Thank you very much for sharing that. Does anybody have another story? Because if not, I think that is a phenomenal message to end on. One more round of applause for everybody who has contributed today. Now, for those of you who have listened to the podcast before or been part of one of these live sessions, you know there's one last thing that we have to do. And we have to do this especially for Josh because he couldn't be here. We end every podcast by saying we are all attraction pros. And I would love it if everybody in the room could shout that out as loud as you can. Are you ready? Thank you. All right. One, two, three. We are all attraction pros. I think we can do better. Don't you think? Yeah, no, no, not louder. Just maybe more together. All right, ready? That was a good rehearsal. This one's for Josh. Ready? One, two, three. We are all attraction pros.
Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.